Hey everyone, welcome to School of the Mighty. I'm Tori. I'm Ben. And this week on Lessons from the Battlefield, we're actually talking about how when there are unconventional or unfavorable circumstances, right? When situations are maybe really outside of the box or they're just challenging or difficult, how we can look at the Mighty Men uh, and how they were able to not just adapt to those to, but to thrive, to embrace them, and then how that can apply to living today. So if you're new here, we send out a weekly audio with some questions, and we hope to inspire, encourage, but also challenge you to actually walk out, live out the Great Commission as a believer in every area of your life and how to be a, an example of Jesus for Jesus and his kingdom as a mighty man or woman of God in, in modern society. So first we're going to be diving into uh, what it looks like to actually embrace a challenge. I think that that sounds good. We hear that a lot in church and Christian circles, especially if you've been brought up in the church, it's okay. There's a, there's a purpose in the waiting or there's positive things to look at in challenges. But actually when we get into those moments where things are, very outside of the box and it's unnerving or it's uncomfortable or it's challenging, the last thing we really want to do is usually embrace that. But what if we, what if we did, what would that look like? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, we've talked about this before, but I mean, we have a tendency to look for the path of we eat least resistance. Mm -hmm. And when bad times come our way, it's like, we're usually praying that God gets us out of it. Yeah. Like get, get us out of this, make this go away. Yeah. Um, God doesn't usually work that way though. Mm -mm. There's, there's, there's always purpose in the trial. Uh, the gospels talk about it a lot. The epistles talk about it a lot. Um, that it develops character, that it develops perseverance, that it develops patience. Um, and there's a training involved in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what if the idea of, you know, you know, kind of like you just said, what if the, you know, the, the question we want to ask everyone listening is what if the idea of being in challenges or being in trials, um, what if the idea of them being a bad thing isn't a bad thing? Mm -hmm. What if the idea of being in them is something to be excited about right. because God's doing something in it that he, he had to use this event or this circumstance? to bring about transformation in your life or bring about breakthrough yeah. or in your family's life or in your life or open doors that wouldn't otherwise be open. Right. Um, or deal with issues that have been long standing and now he's going to remove them through this trial. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Um, or, or if there's a circumstance, for example, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. Let's say, however we qualify something um, regardless, right? There's just things beyond our control. Yeah. There just are. Yes. Like we can declare with our mouth and shift atmospheres and circumstances. And we've talked about this, but there's things that are just, they just are that they are that they are. We sometimes mm -hmm. you try to overanalyze them and explain them or rationalize, but really what's what we do have control over and what is an opportunity to what Ben just said is to be, you know, it, it's God's going to use it for good. Truly. But it's our choice to be angry or afraid or be in a place of despair, you know, it's or or we can choose to focus on, okay, yes, this is not a good situation. This is uncomfortable or I don't love this, mm -hmm. 
but our attitude and the way we think about things or people and what we say really does have a major impact on on us and the world around us and how people perceive God because of how we choose to walk through a situation. Yeah, I mean, that was the example that David and the mighty men set out to the nation of Israel and really even the surrounding nations around him in his time when they were in exile and on the run from King Saul and they're living in the cave in Agilom. Yeah. Um, And they're there for years. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. out in the wilderness for years. But, you know, what, what so many of us uh, have a tendency to do, they didn't do, which is, you know, they could have curled up in a ball and just hid away for years. Right. Uh, but these guys went out and fought. Right. These guys went out and defended the country that was persecuting them. Mm-hmm. There's times where they went out and fought opposing nations or raided the Philistines or what, you know what I mean? All this kind of stuff. And instead of going and curling up in a ball and wailing and crying to the Lord, like, why am I in this position? Please make it pass for me. Yeah. You know, David prayed. Quite a bit, and and sung out to God. I mean, the Psalms are full of his heart cry, but they they embraced the circumstances mm-hmm. and thrived in it. Yeah. And and like you just said, pointed out there that they sent out an example to the rest of Israel. Israel's watching David and watching the mighty men, knowing he's a he's a national criminal, right? Knowing that they're all outlaws and cheering them on. He's setting a standard for them that they were just like, oh my gosh, this guy has more integrity as a criminal. Than our king does right in royalty is yeah. a government leader and 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 it spoke volumes yeah in the long run yeah um yeah so yeah I mean this isn't learning learning to fight a good warfare and learning to embrace the challenges um, isn't something just for us it's for those who watch us right it's for those who behold what we're doing and how we react to things. Yeah. I mean, all all the world sees most of the time as Christians freaking out and afraid just as much as they are. Well, and I would say that that's definitely something in the United States, right? Totally. I think, I think globally, the you know your 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 focus, your lens is quite narrow, and this is something that we can say from personal experience, right? It's like we we were both born and raised in the United States. We have both lived and seen um, different cultures, mm-hmm. or you know, lived in different areas around the world. But it would be ignorant to say, you know, I mean, we have it we have it incredibly good in the United States. We yep. really do, and I think that that's why there's this major lack of mightiness in the world in the united states in particular today is because we don't we're not actually so much threatened when it comes to the life that we lead professing that jesus is lord Mm -hmm. we haven't experienced true persecution on a level that could you know threaten our lives Mm -hmm. and what would it what would it look like you know i I feel like we've we've thought about this we've talked about this is if we were, you know, we've seen stuff shift since COVID, since the pandemic. We've seen the the way that the traditional church, the model in the United States has fallen apart, right? The So many people just stopped going to just, if we look at it, what's become normal to church because of there's a hunger for something more, mm-hmm. but there's also the side of, okay, this is uncomfortable. I'm just not going to go because it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried about my quote unquote safety. Yeah. And, but what would, you know, what we're trying to get at is the mighty men, those of us that we're trying to call out is God, you know, they're the ones that we want to encourage you to step into this because what, what would happen if we started to truly be persecuted? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a good question. What would that look like? Right. And, you know, I I tend, I tend to, to fear that 
that, like you said, especially in the United States, we're we're fat, lazy, and spoiled as Christians in the United States. Yeah. And we've we've developed this consumer Christianity where it's like our greatest challenges are the fact that somebody's not singing on key when they're worshiping at church, or right. the sermon went too long, or right. I'm, I didn't get good seats, or right. you know what I mean? Like that's the stuff we cry about or in this country. And I, my worry and my fear is that when that day comes, and it's coming sooner than we think, yeah, that that the church gets outright pro, you know persecuted in this nation, that that the vast majority of the the average vanilla church out there, mm-hmm. they're going to fold right. like cheap suits because right. they, they don't know how to stand. Yeah. They don't know how to fight. They right. don't, they don't know how to be persecuted and thrive in it. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do that. And, uh, they usually just cry yeah, and whine yeah, and just quit going to that church, move on to the next one. Like, well, what happens when there is no church? How many people are going to pursue and walk out their own salvation yeah. without their pastor telling them to, to and without people seeing them do it? Right. You know what I mean? And that's a big deal. Yeah. I think that's the major difference is like if we truly say that Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord. But when we're faced with persecution, it's going to, I mean, we've both wrestled with this. We've both been in situations where it's, it's given us the opportunity to, to, to really, we've, we've had to actually look at ourselves and say, God, do I really, I say that you're Lord, but do I really believe that at my core? Because if I say yes to that, then that means that I can lose everything else, every per- every relationship, all of these other things, right? Yeah. And is that really worth it to me? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the idea of following the Lord is is, is very foreign to, to us as Americans because yeah. we've never had a monarchy. Yeah. Our nation was founded on rebelling against the monarchy. Right. So the idea of living under a king is very foreign to us. And a lot of people would just outright, they, they just outright don't like it. Yeah. That's why so many Americans have nothing but snarky comments to say about like Britain or something like that, that still has one. Right. You know, and as they just came into a, a king, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, people in the United States have nothing but sarcastic comments to make because we pride ourselves on our, was really rebellion. We call it freedom, but we pride ourselves on rebellion. Yeah. And so we don't, we have a really hard time grasping what it means to live under lordship. Yeah. You know, living under lordship means I utterly am not, I utterly trust my Lord, and I'm utterly reliant on him. Yeah. And I don't act independently of his will. Yeah. You know, and I'm, knowing I'm, that he, he truly does everything that he can, he has, a, he has our best interest at heart all yeah, the time. Yeah. The, 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 the knights in medieval Europe during the age of chivalry, samurai and, and feudal Japan, um, under the feudal lords in Japan, these guys would follow their Kings and their Lords and would never make a decision independent of what they thought he wanted them to do. Yeah, that was it. They would they, they wouldn't think for themselves. They were utterly sub- subservient to the one that they swore fealty to. Yeah. Well, even as Christians, Americans have a tendency to be rebellious. Right. It's like we want to think for ourselves and we pride ourselves on our independent thinking. Yeah. And Jesus made yeah. Jesus, who was the greatest of mighty men, and the and the and the greatest of us ever, firstborn among many brethren. Well, yeah. the Bible says, you know, made it very plain. I don't do anything apart from what my dad says to do. Right. I, period. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's a totally native way of, or foreign way of thinking for us, I think. Yeah. And I, what, what the mighty men, how the mighty men flourished in battle in the circumstances is they were uh, unbelievably resourceful and they were incredibly creative. And which is funny because 
creativity especially is something that we don't take seriously enough in at least in our country to be creative in the United States is something that's applauded as a hobby. Mm -hmm. If you're artistic, it's like, well, good for you. That's cool that you have that. We don't, we don't, it doesn't, it isn't held at the same value as, well, he's an ambitious CEO. Right. It isn't held at the same value. It's like two totally different sports. It's like, you can't compare the two. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, you know, especially if you don't see any money coming from, cause we're capitalist consumers. Yeah. So if you and don't see money coming in from your creativity, it's not, it isn't considered it's a waste worth. Of time. It's, yeah, it's not considered having any yeah. worth. But the, the David and the Mighty Men were unbelievably creative in, in how they set up their strongholds, in how they waged battles, in how they attacked enemies, and how they yeah. defended from enemies, where they would move to, how they would, how they would move. I mean, because it wasn't just them, it was them and their families. Because at one point, well, they're out at, in a particular battle, another enemy comes and steals all their wives and children away. And they get enraged so much so that they are about to turn on David because they're like, our, our families got stolen. You know what I mean? And then they had to go, they have to go and attack those enemies, get their families back, which they do. But it wasn't just them. You know, they had to be creative in how they did stuff. This wasn't the typical army where it was just soldiers. This was families. Mm -hmm. You know. So it's there's something to be said about creativity. If if you're listening to this and you you're a creative individual. In some form or fashion, and you, you maybe like many of us that are have been creative all our all your life, you maybe that's been frowned upon in your, your in your upbringing, or maybe it's been um, dismissed as like I said, a, like a cool hobby. You know, we want to encourage you to embrace that, and that God wants to use that because God's a, God's creative. Yeah, He's a creator. Yeah, he creates just by being all by the speaking. time. Yeah, all the time. Jesus was incredibly creative in how he did ministry and how he approached people. And if you want to use the word in tactics, he used in maneuvering from one town to another, you know, knowing full well because of the influence of the Holy Spirit that he would run into one specific linchpin person who would tell the whole city about him. Mm -hmm. He just shows up at the, at a well on just the right day, at just the right time to meet one specific Samaritan woman who, when his conversation converts her, she converts everybody. Yeah. It's like there's specific creative and resourceful mindsets there that the Lord wants us to have. Yeah. And I think we forget that a lot. We, we tend to fall into formulas. Mm-hmm especially when it comes to evangelism, mm -hmm. but we tend to fall into formulas. God was never, has never been one for formulas. No. If you watch any, if you, if you read through any moment in the gospels, when Jesus is laying hands on the sick, he does it differently every time. Yeah. Every time it records the specifics of what he says and does, there's not one, no, there's no two healings that are the same. Mm -hmm. It's a constant change. It's, he's always doing what the father's saying to do in the moment. And, and I think it's because every single person God made is so unique. Oh, yeah. And per it's all so personal and so intimate. That's mm -hmm. the point. It's not, okay, you as people who aren't believers have to come to this box, this church box, and fit into our mold. Again, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being in local community. We're not saying that. But no, we, we encourage We it. encourage that. But what we're saying is, you know, because every single person is totally unique and different, mm -hmm. we 
then it it's actually that's where there's this moment of I got to go out on this ledge and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to show up because he knows this person in front of me more than I ever could. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, we're not by any means frowning on the quote unquote local church. Mm -mm. Fellowship is always needed and community is always needed. But if tradition and routine have trumped intimacy with Jesus, then we encourage you to take a step back and reevaluate your walk. Not reevaluate what they're doing. Yeah. Reevaluate what you're doing. Yeah. Let them do what they're going to do. God's yeah. going to speak and move and, you know, or they won't listen to me. Right. And they'll lose their power and they'll lose their relevance, which so many churches have. Mm -hmm. You know, the nation isn't threatened by Christians, really, for the most part, because we're not a threat. Mm -hmm. We haven't been a threat. Not like we should. Mm -hmm. Jesus was a threat in his first year yeah. of ministry. Because he never did tradition and routine. You know, that was the point. They were upset with him because he wasn't traditional at all. He was breaking every tradition they had. Right. Um, so we we want to encourage you to allow God to have hold of your creativity that he yeah. put in you in the first place. Yeah. And use you and use that creativity um, to reach your communities and your families and people around you, coworkers, whatever, in ways that are very outside the box, mm -hmm. you know. The opportunity to just, the the passions and interests that you have is an opportunity to partner with him to start to bring to life solutions or, or you know, ideas or just, again, outlets yeah. to express his heart, even if it is, for example, painting a picture because you know that God gave me this ability, I'm going to express his heart through this canvas because it's going to reflect the beauty of his character and his yeah, heart. Just yeah. as simple as that. It doesn't have to be, how do I, God, do this to make money or how do I do this to reach someone? It's just out of the natural abilities that you have when mm -hmm. you do them with passion and when you do them with excellence. Yeah. It, it reflects them. Embrace the moment when it comes. That's what the mighty men did. That's what David did. That's what Jesus did. Yeah. Um, that instead of looking at it as a challenge, look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. And what do we mean by that? Instead of us sitting here spending 20 minutes preaching to you on how this should be done. And a great example is we, we have landscapers working in our home right now. Mm -hmm. We have our backyard being worked on and, and um, they're doing all kinds of landscaping around our home. What a perfect opportunity to strike up a conversation with, with these people and, and bring up the Lord. Yeah. And we did that. And ended up getting in a half an hour conversation with a landscaper in our driveway about Jesus. Probably longer than that. Talked to him yeah. for oh, quite a while. Yeah. That would have never, you know, that a lot of people would have never even thought about taking the opportunity and doing, you know, briefly mentioning, hey, God bless, man. Thanks so much for coming and doing the work you're doing. You guys are great. And opening that door for yeah. talking and about Jesus. Just that, right? It's not about you have to sit having a captive audience and and spouting off things mm -hmm. because a lot of times it's like that yes that's truth but that can be really oh yeah off-putting but it's taking the opportunity to, to lean into the lord and say hey how do you see this person absolutely just right in this moment this person in my driveway and love on them and help let it let it be a moment where a seed's planted yeah i mean here here's the honest truth of it christians especially in the united states christians are becoming more known for what they fight against than what they fight for. That's good, yeah. They, they spend most of their time becoming notorious for everything that upsets them. Right. Everything that they deem sinful, everything that they 
deem worldly, evil, wicked, yeah. fill in the blank. And we're becoming more notorious for what we stand against than the Christ that we're supposed to stand for. Yeah. You know, I mean, we could go out here in our driveway and do the opposite and pick apart every bad thing these guys are saying and doing. Mm-hmm. Or we could just ignore that stuff like Jesus did. Jesus preached very few sermons about sin, pointing out people's sins. Yeah. In fact, I defy you to find three sermons like that in all four Gospels. He practically never did that. Mm-hmm. He didn't come to condemn the world. He said that. So why do Christians take it upon themselves to do that? Yeah. That's not warfare is the way God defines it. Yeah. Warfare is, I'm going to shine so bright for who God is, the enemy will be dismantled just by my presence being there because his presence is in me. Right. And people will be so attracted to that because they'll realize that what we actually believe and how we love others and how we live, it's it's right. It's holy. It's good. They'll want that, right? Instead mm-hmm. of, okay, here's another person who's going to tell me what I'm doing tell wrong. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because that's the thing, too. If you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and you don't have intimacy with Jesus, then why would you even register that you are doing wrong and you mm-hmm. won't, you know, you might not feel bad. And it's not up to us to say you shouldn't do this and here's why in right. that in that sense, right? It's it's just, it divides us further. Exactly. Hear, let, hear us say this. If we're talking about waging a good warfare, we're not talking about, I repeat, not talking about being holy policemen. Our job as Christians is to not go out there and point out every sin in the world. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. His job is to convict hearts. Yeah. Our job is to represent Jesus well. And Jesus didn't waste his time going on social media and posting about every evil that he sees in the world. Rome was unbelievably wicked as a culture. Mm Mm-hmm. Hedonism, homosexuality, I mean, just you name it, they were doing it. Orgies, all that stuff, because the Gospels mention it. The Epistles mention it. But Jesus didn't preach one sermon about that stuff. Mm -mm. He just loved on the people in front of him. And those who were supposed to be representing his father, but they were not, were the ones he called out. Yeah, you want to talk about untraditional and unconventional warfare, that's that's it. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And so let that be an encouragement to you in the environments that you're in in the workplaces that you're in, um, the families that you have, the spouses that you live with, the children that you live with. Um, you know, it's cliched, but what would Jesus do? Yeah. Maybe a better way of putting it in terms of just this conversation is how would Jesus fight? Yeah. You know, how would he take on these battles? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the time he would just love his way into victory. In fact, every time he would love his way into victory. The cross was the ultimate victory. Yeah. And he loved his killers straight into victory i mean it you know you don't get more unconventional than that yeah so just some things to think about you know if you've ever found yourself in like an unconventional or unfavorable situation that maybe initially seemed daunting or discouraging um you know how, how did you respond to that what were options that you could that you had looking back at it what was god showing you that possibly you could have done mm-hmm. use those things and, and let them teach you now in the current situations that you're in or situations you might step in in the next day or two. Um, be challenged by that. And, but, but at the same time, don't be burdened by it. Be excited by it. Yeah. Cause like we've talked about before, it's giving you an opportunity. God is giving you an opportunity in those situations to not only represent him well, but you're going to come out of that thing bigger than you were when you went into it mm-hmm. spiritually. And it develops a deeper intimacy and trust with your King. Mm-hmm. 
with every victory, you realize you trust him more. Yeah. You know, the mighty men realized that when, you know, they came and followed this guy who was hiding out in a cave who had defeated a giant. No one had ever defeated a giant before. Right. Before, since the ancient Israelites. No one ever defeated one. It was never recorded that ever anyone defeated one single-handedly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you want to be a giant killer? Follow a giant killer. Yeah. And the more that they followed him in the victory after victory after victory, the deeper the trust was developed. Right. And the deeper the intimacy. Yeah. yeah. And so as you go forward, too, in this week, uh, just when there are, again, like Ben was saying, when there's challenges and daunting situations, it's... What would it look like if you know if you could have kind of put yourself on the outside objectively? People are watching, especially if you've told them you're a believer. They're just people will yeah. notice. People will intentionally look, <laughs> and uh, we're not asking or expecting perfection because we are not that way at all. We both of us are very intense, and we know we blow it. Oh yeah, often. But what we're saying is, what if how you handle situations again? no matter how hard or difficult or unknown is you had an attitude that reflected mm. God's heart yeah. or you sought to release that. Or even if you mess up in a moment, you took the opportunity to own that publicly, sure. right? There's so many ways in which we can reflect God's heart without striving for perfect perfection, but it invites people to look at the beauty of him and yeah. how he's actually good and mm -hmm. how he's kind and he wants them deeply how can we become a magnet yeah i mean how do how does the world and we can end with this but how does how how does the world realize and come to know that jesus is good and he's the that he loves them that he's kind that he doesn't condemn because when he the only way that the world's going to see that is if they see his body that way yeah if they don't see his body that way they'll never understand that he's that way no mm -hmm. people people think that jesus jesus is what we act like yeah and whether good or bad and if we don't represent him well, he's not represented well. I mean, period. Mm -hmm. You can't dismiss that as, well, they're just hard-hearted. They don't want to, you know. No, you did a lousy job of representing him. <laughs> and, you know, and we've all been there. Mm -hmm. You know, so we hope that this kind of speaks to your heart and your life right now. And we, we hope it encourages you. Yeah. And we want you to, because we want you to wage good warfare. We want you to fight well in whatever way God's showing you to do that. Because chances are, it's very outside the box of what you yeah. think it is. And with him, you have everything you need. Mm -hmm. so. All provision. Um, everything you need yeah. is in him. So be encouraged. We want to encourage you, too, that if you're a free subscriber, to, to, to subscribe, um, become, go and become a paid subscriber. Because we've got a lot of really good, solid curriculum um, for School of the Mighty that goes much deeper into these areas. Uh, much, much deeper teachings. Um, you can read the notes, you can listen to the teachings, and you can engage us. We There's really want to hear what you have, want to say. Absolutely. Talk to each other. Yeah. And um, we just really encourage you to do that. So until next time, God bless. Yeah, have a great week. Bye. Bye.